You know, it's really interesting on mornings like this. This is wonderful. Um, so a whole bunch of people stayed home today, eh, you know, for some good reasons, the roads and stuff, and uh, uh, don't want to take a chance with the driving. I understand all of that. Um, but why are you here? Yeah. Like, why did God get you here? And I don't think God makes mistakes. I don't think anything is a coincidence. Could it be that he might want you to have heard or want you to hear what he's saying this morning? And what is he saying this morning? First thing is about quietness. It is, it is one of the most precious things we can have with God is to be able to sit in quietness in his presence and not feel we have to say anything, not feel that he has to say anything, but to just be in his presence. Some of the richest times between a couple, uh, and some of you may even witness to this, some of the most beautiful times is when you were with your spouse, looking at the ocean, looking at the stars, looking at your children, whatever it is, there's no words. There's just this wonderful sense of communion, of relationship. That's when you know there's something real. When you're passing flowers and giving out presents and going to get groceries and all that stuff, that's, that's part of the relationship. And there's part of the relationship with God, which is, you know, doing the do and witnessing and doing your studies and, and all of that stuff. But there's something about this that's really precious, that you can just sit in quietness with God. And I think God craves for it. I really do. I think he craves to just be with us. And that's what God is maybe saying. I just want to be with you. I don't necessarily need you to do anything. I just want you to come and let me be with you in quietness and meditation. That may be all God is asking of you this morning. He might be just calling you back to a time and to a place in your life where what you are doing is just returning to be with God. Something has pushed you out of that relationship. Something has pushed you away from that ability to just be quiet with God. And know that he loves you and know that you are trying as best you can to love him. It's not easy to love God. It's not easy to love our hearts. The Bible tells us our heart is despicably wicked. You have to get through a lot of stuff before you can love the way God wants us to love. You really do. You have to break through a lot of stuff and it takes time and, we, and God is teaching us how to do it. But it's so beautiful that we can come this morning and just put all that aside and just be quiet in God's presence. It's a gift. I'm telling you, it's a gift. God's giving us a gift. There's not many assemblies where you can go, and I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying there's not many assemblies where you can go. I've talked to enough pastors, and they're scared of this, just being quiet. They don't know what to do with it. And God has taught us over the last year what to do with it. Be in it. Allow me to minister and speak to you in it. Give me time to speak. And that's what we're doing. And God, God said something else 
that, and I, I love it, that he loves us no matter what, no matter what we've done. I love you. Now there's a statement. So why would Alice be moved in her spirit to be provoked enough that she would actually say it out loud? Because obviously God wants somebody to hear that this morning. That regardless of what you've done, God loves you just the way you are. This is a message we've been getting a lot of lately. That God loves you just the way you are. And I know that we have, as Christians, very often we have this preconceived idea that God is all about making us better. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's God's intention at all. God, knowing God is not a self-improvement program. That's not what it is. We can buy books at chapters about self-improvement. There's thousands of them. The thing is, if you and I draw close to God, like in quietness or whatever other practice we have, I guarantee you that which is not right within us will start to move away. It'll happen automatically. So you don't have to run around trying to kill anything, even though the Bible does say crucify the flesh. Well, how do we crucify the flesh? You and I can't do that. Jesus has already done that. So we need to get close to Jesus. And as we get close to Jesus through prayer, reading, fellowship, meditating, whatever it is, as we get close to Jesus, the crucifixion of the flesh that happened on that cross will happen in our life. It'll happen automatically. You won't have to search for your darkness. You won't have to search for some kind of remedy. God will start moving stuff out of us automatically. But that's not what the relationship is about. That is a result of the relationship. The relationship is all about God loving you just the way you are. And you loving yourself just the way you are. There's a big one. Takes us years, decades, some of us. Some of us are still stumbling over that. Trying to love ourselves just the way we are. And the problem with that, the reason we get stuck on that, is because we think God only loves us if we're better. So we're in this race to try to be better and try to be something that we think God wants us to be. When God loves you just the way you are. Is there stuff that is not like Jesus in our life? Yep, and you might as well get used to it because it's going to be like that until the day we die. That's not being complacent about sin. That is understanding that there's something more important than that. And that is the relationship with God, that he loves you just the way you are. Because if we don't grab a hold of that, when we look in the mirror of our spirit and who we are and start seeing those carnalities, if we don't understand that God loves us just the way we are, it will cause us to back away from God. It will cause us, we're not good enough. I have failed again. This is the time that God's not going to forgive me. And it, you know all the stories. You've all had it in your head. But God is saying this morning, in this quietness, where he draws close to us, 
He's saying to you, I love you just the way you are. It's a radical, radical idea. Many people in, in churches have come out of holiness movements. Bill and I were talking about it this morning. Have come out of uh, something called Pentecostal holiness and a few other things like that. Very strong about you got to be this and you got to have this and you got to be living this way and you got to, you can't wear your dress too high and you can't wear your shirt too low and you can't, you know, all these legalistic, ridiculous things. When God says, no, you just come close to me and I will take care of all those things. But I love you just the way you are. Just the way you are. It's an incredible gift. And also that the well is overflowing. The well is over. I don't know what your expectations are. Here we are the first Sunday of 2020. Can you, th can you believe it? We are in 2020. That's like Star Trek. It really is to me. 2020. It just, uh, there are people who, who really thought the world would not be here in 2020. But here we are in 2020, and what God is saying to us is the well is overflowing. For who? For you. Now, we can go home and turn on the TV and see some church that has 5,000 people in it and think, wow, the Spirit of God is really there. News flash to us. The same God that's there is right here, right now. In the same amount of power, the same amount of willingness to do miracles, the same amount of desire to interact with you and to have us interact with God. Same God is here. And he's saying to us, the well is overflowing. So if the well is overflowing, then that would mean that there's abundance. Abundance of what? Abundance of the Spirit of God. Abundance of the provision of God. And the, the resources that will sustain you. As we start into 2020, God is saying this morning, I've got enough for you. I've got enough for you. Do not, I'm speaking to somebody, or probably to all of us, if we've got our eyes wide open and looking at the world. He's saying to us, what you need I've got. You don't know what's coming in 2020. I do know what's coming in, no, it's God speaking, right? I do know what is coming in 2020. And some of us are going to have great years, and some of us might have difficult years. How many have had a great year in 2019? Most of us have been through stuff. Few people, it was a great year for them. And this is wonderful, but God is saying this morning, don't fear and don't pull back on your expectations don't pull back on what you are expecting life and God in your life to do in 2020 don't pull back now is the time to actually believe for crazy things the, the word says that that God has things that we are not able to imagine both here and in the world to come. Jesus said, I will do greater things than what he did on the earth. Through who? Through you and I. That's who. He's not going to do it through the chair. And he's not going to do it through somebody else in some other church. He's going to do it. He'll do it through them in their capacity. But he'll also do it through you. 
what God has, what God wants to do, what he wants to manifest on this earth, he will do through you. You're not somehow less than in any way to any other person in any other church. There's not some special anointing at some other church. There's not some special anointing in some other country. God is here now, and he's saying that I have a well that is overflowing, absolutely overflowing. And I just have to say it again because I feel to repeat it. Don't pull back on your expectations for this year because God is saying, I am enough. I will be enough. I will give you what you need. You are going to get through this year and not only get through it, enough of that talk, you are going to prosper in it. And I know we live in a world where prosperity means financial. Well, you and I have been around long enough that we know money don't solve a lot of stuff when it gets right down to the stuff that keeps you awake at night. Money is not what usually does it. It is the relationships of our life. It is the failures of our life. It is the weaknesses in our life that we, we feel we need help with and we want help with the lost opportunities that we think are gone. God is able to take back, and the Bible uses the word the canker worm, but God is able to go and go into that situation that stole stuff, that took stuff, that made you lose your faith in life, that made you lose your faith in relationships, that made you lose your faith in the hope of God. He's able to go back there and turn that around and make us see again that God is a God who never gives up. He never says never. So God is saying this morning, there's a, there's a well for you. It's not for somebody else in another church, and it's not for somebody who prays more. It's not, for, it's not that. It is for you. He said it to us this morning. That means he wants us to know that. So do not go into 2020 with your head hung down. Go in with a great expectation that no matter what was lost, it can be recovered. No matter what was taken, it can be refound. No matter what has been broken, it can be fixed. No matter what has been torn down, God is able to rebuild it in the right image, in the right way. In the right image, in the right way. We try to do things in our life a lot of times, and we kind of make a mess out of it. You've all had experiences with it where you've tried to do it yourself, and you've tried to just run out there and fix relationships and fix situations. And, we, and sometimes we make a right mess of it. But God is saying, okay, all you do, repent and give it to me. And just step back and let me take care of this. It's wonderful. This is the God we serve. In a world that is going nuts, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the bombing in Iran, um, but it's serious. This is serious. Like, this is the place where the word of God, and Jerry was telling us, to admonishing us to, to get into the word and to believe the word. It, if you want to read it, that area is exactly where everything is supposed to happen that will usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is major. They just killed some major people in the Iranian military. 
Do you think they're just going to sit back and whistle Dixie and say, oh, don't worry about it? That is the start of something. What do you and I do? I had someone say to me Friday night, said, are we going, it's not a Christian, are we going into World War III? And what came to me when she said it was, are you ready if we are? Do you have the faith to believe that the well is still going to rush and overflow in the midst of a world going to pieces? Yep. That's exactly what his word says. It is when that, when the world starts going crazy and we start seeing, what is lunacy? There's someone in China who just uh, did a genetic engineering of a human being so that they would be white and blue-eyed. You know, because they can do it now. And when you see this kind of stuff going on and you see the craziness that was science fiction five years ago is now becoming possible, who are we going to believe? And it's the word of God that is going to, that's what we hold on to. That's what we hold on to. Jesus made it very clear it's not going to end well. <laughs> he made it really clear when he was standing there. Well, actually, he was sitting and looking at the south side of the temple in the Garden of Gethsemane up on the hill where he went to pray a lot. And he was looking out there and he said, and they were looking at all the beauty of the temple. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't get, don't get excited about this because what you don't know is in about 34 years, there's not going to be one stone left on the other in this place. The institution that they had all their faith in, and we talked about this before, the institution, the religious institution, the political institution, because religion was politics back then, all of this stuff, gone in 34 years. A temple that took 48 years to build. 48 years. And it was so interesting as I was, I was in Jerusalem and you can go down, and at the bottom on the south side, where the steps are, where Peter went up and said, I don't have money, I don't have all that stuff, but I can give you this. And he gave him the well that's overflowing. And the guy got up and walked away. I was walking around there, and they've excavated down to the time of Herod, to the time that Jesus was there. And there are still stones that the Romans pushed over and fell down and busted through the street. There was actually pipes that went through the street. It was an amazing thing that, that Herod had built there. But I'm standing there looking at exactly what Jesus said would happen. All these stones just fallen and broken. And whatever we're trusting in, we have to remember that they are weak-kneed and built on sand. The only thing that's for sure is the Word of God. And the Word of God this morning is telling us some wonderful stuff. This is a good morning. Are you glad you came this morning? <laughs> I'm glad I came this morning. Because honestly, you must understand that the way we do church here now is we enter in, we have a quiet time before to get our hearts ready to see and hear and listen to Jesus. We allow the worship to take us into the presence of God and then we sit in the presence of God and say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying to us today?
And for a year now, God has said something every Sunday. Now, I don't know about you, but that's amazing. The well is overflowing. And God will speak if we will sit in quietness and we will wait for him, both here at church and in our own personal lives. He will come and he will overflow into our hearts and he will give us what we need to not only live the day, but to live the days that are coming. I got to say it again because I feel it again. Don't be frightened. Don't think that what you dream cannot happen. Don't believe that God can't put it back together. Don't believe that God can't fix it. Don't believe it that you cannot get out of where you are and become what you want to be. God is saying you can and I will if you come to me just the way you are. Allow me to love you just the way you are. Love yourself just the way you are. And start that deep relationship with me. It's a beautiful day. Father, we thank you for what you're saying to us today. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is here. That you are here, Holy Spirit, speaking to our hearts, telling us what our heart and spirit needs to hear this morning amongst all the voices of the world. And Father, we receive it this morning. Teach us how to love ourselves. Teach us how to love you. And teach us how to love each other, Father. Because it, it is through that that the world will say the church is the church. So, Father, we thank you for what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, does anyone uh, have anything they want prayer for this morning? You don't have to say what it is. But if you do, just stand, because I, I think God wants to uh, just minister this morning uh, in the area of praying for people. So um, if you could be praying for anything, whatever it is that's on your heart, it could be for someone, for something. And. You know. Look at this. You think this doesn't put a smile on God's face? That his kids are coming to him, trusting him this morning. Father, I thank you for the privilege of what is happening right now. Father, we are coming to you this morning because you said that, Father, if we come to you, that you would give us the bread of life. That you, Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I will give it so that the Lord may receive glory through it. And Father, you know all of the issues that are standing here today. And Father, we pray for those who are standing for the salvation of people. Father, this is the great obsession that you have. The seeking of the lost. Father, this is why Jesus came. This is why the church is still on the earth. And Father, today we join together and we believe that, Father, this is going to be the year of harvest. 
that this will be the year of harvest. That, Father, those that have been away, the prodigals that have been away are going to come back. The relationships that have been broken are going to come back. Father, I just know that you are speaking, that angels are going right now and ministering to those that are represented here through the hearts and the spirits of those standing, Father God. Father, we pray for healing, physical, medical healing. Father, we rebuke in the name of Jesus illness. Father, O oh God, we stand in the divine healing of Jesus Christ. And Father, I don't know how it all works. I don't know why some people get sick and some people don't and some get healed, but I know that you are a God who heals. And until we hear otherwise, Father, we are believing for full health, healing, strength, supernatural wellness and healthiness, Father God. That, Father, we will be stronger than our years should allow us to be. That we will be healthier than our conditions say we should be. And that, Father, the prognosis of doctors and uh, medicine, Father God, will not stop us from believing that, Lord, you are a healing God. And there are people standing for the healing of others today. And we just send forth your spirit right now by faith, O God. The same way Jesus prayed for that young man's son and the very hour that he prayed, the man went home and found out that his son was healed. Father, we just release healing this morning. We say you are a healing God, a delivering God. Father, those who feel bound this morning, bound by behaviors, bound by thinking, stinking thinking, Father God, bound by hurts and wounds, unforgiveness, Father God. Lord, bondages of hate. Father, this morning we just break those chains in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, you said you set the captives free, and that is what is happening here this morning. I believe it, Father God. Angels are taking and unwrapping chains off people's lives. There is freedom about to happen. There is freedom about to happen in the lives of people in this place, Father God. That which bound you before will no longer bind you. You're going to step over those chains and there is a new freedom coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this. And Father, for the dreams that we have. Father, many of us have waited decades. There are dreams we still have. There are things we are still believing you for. And Father, as we stand here this morning, we are once again putting it at the foot of the cross, putting it on the altar, and believing that, Father God, today could be the day. Today could be the day, Father, that the great miracle happens. But Father, we believe you for it today. Father, it is your desire that we prosper, that we have a good future, and that we have hope. And Father, we receive it this morning as you pour it over us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God is good, eh? It's precious stuff. God speaking so clearly. Bill, so many of us have had such terrible things said to us. Um, and, and it doesn't matter whether or not we hear it. Sometimes it has spiritual power without us even hearing it. 
And then on top of it, it's what we say about ourselves, to ourselves. Think of some of the things that we have said, that you have said and I have said as we think personally, the disparaging, incriminating things that we've said about ourselves in times of despair or whatever. It, it, it's just, it, that is not God's opinion of us at all. So it, uh, it really is important that we take on a godly attitude about ourselves and allow ourselves to think. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I was meeting with pastors uh, on Friday uh, from all around the Maritimes. There were six of us there that had been called to Truro to get together for something. And the idea of the dead bones in the valley. You know the Ezekiel, he was an Old Testament prophet, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, and he was shown a vision by God. Some of you know it, but for those who don't, he was shown a vision, and God took him on purpose and showed him dead stuff. They're just white bones that had been parched by the sun, and they were people. And he said to him, God says to him, do you think those can live again? Isn't that kind of what God's saying to us this morning? Do you think we can do this? Do you think 2020 can be a, a, a year of life and not death? Do we think that maybe God is able to do a miracle? And Ezekiel said, I don't know, Lord, you know, right? He wasn't going to put anything out on the table. You and I have had Jesus. It's time for us to put our hand down on the table and say, yes, I do believe that these bones can come back to life. But it was very interesting. It's one of the favorite topics for any preacher to preach on because it's so clear what it's saying. He said, you prophesy to them. Talking about words. He said, prophet, you tell them to come to life. It wasn't God telling them to come to life. He said, you prophesy and tell them to come to life. So he kind of did and boom. All of a sudden, he heard the noise, heard that noise, and they started to rattle, come together, and then God put sinew and flesh and muscle and skin, and all of a sudden, there was an army. It wasn't just a crowd. It was an army. An army is meant to do something, and it's meant to conquer. God's intention is that our lives come together, God's flesh on us, which is his word and his spirit, and causes us to rise up like an army to conquer, not to stand around and wonder what to do, but to actually conquer. And you conquer when your dreams come true. You conquer when you believe against adversity. You conquer when you get up and come to church on a, on a day like this. You conquer when you keep on going forward when everything is telling you not to. Everything is against you, and you're thinking, where is God? Jesus had to use that kind of faith when he was on the cross and he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Well, it's a good thing he didn't give up at that point. Here's Jesus himself, and it's one of the great mysteries of the Bible. What was going on there? But he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? In the absolute, utter despair. But he said, but my spirit I give to you. I commend my spirit to you today, which is basically, thy will be done, Lord. That's a powerful place to be. 
But there's, I believe we have been called to be a people who prophesy. And prophesy isn't just telling the future. It's speaking anointed, active, God-endowed words. That's what the real meaning for prophecy is. It's not just someone telling you about the future or reading your mail, as they call it, when someone prays for you and knows what's going on in your mind. Psychics can do that. And I'm not saying it's not valid. I'm just saying let's not get too excited here. The real power of prophecy is when you speak anointed words that cause something that's dead to come back to life. That's something the world can't do. That's something the devil can't do. And we speak these anointed words of life that say, I have a choice in what I'm going to believe, and I have a choice in what I'm going to say to myself in my mind, to others with my mouth. And to God with my mouth. And we have the power. It wouldn't be in the Bible. Ezekiel and that dead bones valley would not have been in the Bible if God did not want us to know that. That you and I have the power to speak. Ezekiel is not. He's just a guy. He's just a guy that God dragged out of the ditch and said, I'm going to make you a prophet. Hmm. <laughs> And he struggled. As, if you read Ezekiel, he complained all through that book at times. He really complained. But the fact is, he was just a Joe, like you and I. And God said, you prophesy. And God's saying to you, look at 220 and prophesy over it. Prophesy over it. I'm going to be... I'm going to break addictions. I'm going to break bad habits. I'm going, to, I'm going to have the liberty that Jesus Christ died to give us. That's why we're here this morning. There's a reason Jesus went off to quiet places alone. There's a reason he did that. Because you do have to go to that place. Um, if we're looking for physical manifestations of what we're praying for all the time, it can get discouraging. You have to simply believe that if you say it, it's going to happen. If you feel inspired, you're a mature Christian, you, you've learned how to walk this walk, and you pray something, then maturity says, I trust God, and I leave the rest up to him. Doesn't matter if I see any manifestation of it at all. does get a little bit hard after a while. But to, to pray in the Spirit is to leave it in the Spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. To say that we do not have the power of creation is to defy the fact that we have God in us. Paul prayed for people and they came back to life. The Old Testament prophets did. So, I mean, we would have to have that ability. There, I, I heard a story this morning, true story, someone whose son had been estranged from them for decades. And they've been praying for that son. And not a lot visual. All of a sudden, this Christmas, what shows up in the mail? A card from the son who hasn't been in touch for decades with a $50 gift certificate. That is creating life where there was death. That is what a miracle looks like. That is what long-term prayer looks like and what its reward is and you know that there's much more going on if that got through imagine what else got through to him 
and what else God is speaking into his mind. Not just about his relationship with his father, but his relationship with his heavenly father. There's a whole bunch of harvest coming in that. That's just the first sprout coming up through the ground. It's beautiful. It's, there, there's a great falling away. We keep on hearing, there's, there's two streams of prophetic uh, words about end times. One is it's a great harvest and also a great falling away. Say, so how can those both be happening at the same time? Very easily. There are churches that, like that, if they're not preaching the real spirit of Christ, if they are not allowing Christ to come from outside and in the door and up the, up the hall and into the front of the church, if not allowing that to happen, those churches are going to die because they will not be able to stand the demands that are going to come on faith. And it's happening now. Most of the world, Christians are really being persecuted now. The, the highest, the, the group that is being persecuted the most in the world right now on religious basis is now Christians. And that's a change in the last 70 years. So it's true, there will be that falling away, but there will be in the churches that are going to preach and prophesy Christ and allow Christ to be in the service and in the people in the service, it'll grow. It might grow underground, but it will grow. So that's how that can happen. But you are, you're going to see a, a lot. Of, and even in the Pentecostal and the, you know, full gospel churches, we call them, the Protestant churches that believe in the born-again experience and the evangelicals, we're seeing a tremendous falling away. And it's because, well, it's, a, it's, a whole, it's because we've opted on convenience, slick presentations, and man-made ideas about how to do church instead of sitting in quietness and letting the Holy Spirit come in and speak. Um, so it, we're very fortunate to be where we are, I believe. I really do. But um, is there anything else before we go to the offering? We do have chili today. <laughs> so you know how it works. You can uh, just come up and put it in the basket. And you can let that go, Liz. You can let that go. Just click on it, and it's just to move. There's something freeing about moving. There's something just that frees you up, you know. Um, there's tangerines at the back.